Let's get into our sermon for today. So we're, um, we've been talking about a theme the last few weeks. Does anyone know what the theme was? It's a part of a culture of our church. Thank you. One of the things my heart, our hearts hope together should be is we want to be a group that gives together. I think for, this, for us to begin this, our vision has to change. That's why I have some binoculars that helps you see. One thing I've learned is no action precedes vision. People live into what they see. If I see myself as someone who can be intelligent, I work harder. If I see someone who can be physically active and fit, I work into that. Your vision precedes your action. So for church, our vision has to change. I think for most people, when they see church, this is what they imagine for church. And I posted a picture for those online of a lot of people looking at a pulpit. We look at that. Let me ask, what do you notice? You're just a spectator. This is, I think, the model of church today. So when people come to church, what do they expect? That kind of vision, that's, this is what they've seen, so that's what they do. So I want us to change our vision. Like you have to see different before we do different. What do, what do I mean by that then? Like we have to start to see a group of people that come together that are all vibrant together. It's not just the speaker when he's speaking or the worship leader. It's we are vibrant in our own ways where we are. And it's interesting, I've seen glimpses of it here. Like when we were at the house before, it would be like we would be praying, and it would be like one person here felt like, I should go pray for that person today. And they would go pray. And that's a deliverance. And one person would feel like, hey, I need to share a word for this person. And so they would go and share a word. And what I imagine, all of us giving of ourselves together, like a stew. This is more like a steak. Like we're looking at one thing and just expecting this to feed me. But the stew is every each piece brings something of flavor. You come to give something, not just to receive. But the model right now is what? I need to receive something. Right? Like we look at churches. I showed the video of John Christ last week. The church has to meet all of my needs. Does it have everything lined up so it works for me? No, I think our vision, our vision of church should be, am I willing to give together? So I, let me ask you the question. Here's the question that I want to begin with today. How do we find our specific purpose or the gift that we are meant to give? I think one of the difficulties for most people is they want to give something, but they're like, what do I even, what is my gift? that I need to bring. And this is actually what we'll be looking at for the next few weeks. How do I know what I need to be giving? And so I'm gonna open the floor just to share one minute with each other. What do y'all think? How does a person begin to know their gifting and what they need to give? We're gonna read the text to guide us. And my prayer is this. Well, let me just say this first. Uh, my prayer is this, that each one of us engages in what we need to be giving. God has a purpose for each one of you, 
engage with what he needs of you. As I'm going through this word, be with me right now. So we're going to get into the text to guide us. So 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 6 says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. What kind of idols? Thank you. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Let's read the last one together. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. This is a chapter that we'll be centering around the next few weeks as we talk about the idea of how do you find your specific purpose. So I ask you a question real quick from the text. Where does the gift that you have come from? If you look in this text, where do the gifts come from? Very good. Verse 4, we like to let the verses and the text guide us. It says what? There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. The same what? Spirit distributes them. The Holy Spirit is the giver of the gift inside of you. We are in a world today that we are all calculated. Everything needs to be verifiable. I need a source. I need a second source. I need a study done. We want to touch, feel, and understand with our sight. But the Spirit is an invisible thing. Right? You know, it's interesting. It says here, people were led astray by what kind of idols? Mute idols, okay? Why would it say mute idols? It could have said blind idols. It could have said deaf idols. But it chose the word mute. Paul chose the word mute. Why? What does mute mean? can't talk. So he's contrasting the idols of this world with the Spirit. I want you to understand this. The second that God comes in you and the Spirit is working in you, hear me when I say this, He's talking to you and He guides you. Really, the Spirit is so close and He wants to guide you. But we have to listen. We are so in this physical world We don't listen to the invisible thing. Let me encourage you to, there is a spiritual world. You may not agree with me, there is a very real spiritual world. Let me give you an example of this. So I saw one of my friends this week, and we were talking, and my friend, this was one of my old students, his sister passed away and his brother, her brother passed away. And in the last five years, both of them have passed away. So my student was telling me they went to the doctor and he was asking me, or she was asking me, I'm sorry, he was asking me what I thought about this, okay? And so he said that there was an allergist at the doctor and the allergist said, the allergist was a medium, like could see spirits. And the allergist said, did your brother and sister both pass away in the last five years? And he was like, are you, like, what do you mean? And he said, when you walked into this, I'm a medium, I can see spirits. Their spirits are around you. 
And I want you to know that. Like, they're okay, but they're around you. And he was like, are you serious right now? So he goes on to tell more details about the family members. He was like, how they were acting, and it was just like their family members acted. The same student goes to the gym a month later, and a trainer there comes up to him and says, hey, I have to tell you this. I don't know why. There's a woman, I think it's your, a family member, who keeps wanting me to tell you, you really need to work out. And his sister always told him, you need to work out. He's like, everyone in this gym, I, I'm just focusing in on you right now. I don't know why, but that spirit tells me this. All of it to say, after I led that conversation, it was a little creepy. Can y'all agree with me? We are living in a world that we have become so enamored with the physical, we don't realize there is a spiritual world. Be aware there is a very real spiritual world. And the Holy Spirit wants to commune with you and talk with you, but you have to be perceptive and listening. The Spirit is the giver of the gift. So the second you're in tune with the Spirit, you'll know what you need to give. Let me ask you, though, from the text, how does someone know that they have the Spirit of God in them? Again, we're looking at the text. How do we know if you have the Spirit of God in you? If we were to focus in on verse 3, what does it say? I want you to know that no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by what? The Holy Spirit. So how do you know if the Spirit is in you? When you proclaim with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. You have an idea and an understanding. That is when the Spirit is working. You know the Spirit is working when that comes out of you. Jesus is Lord. We all have to understand that and declare that. And maybe you came in this morning like, man, I was saved when I was 10, Sam. I've already declared Jesus as Lord. No, we've cheapened it. Let me just encourage you. We've cheapened what it means to proclaim Jesus as Lord. Do you understand when any person in the scripture understood Jesus was Lord, you know what? They couldn't contain it. You know, every time, every time Jesus healed someone, what did he tell them? During, you know, the early part of the Gospels, he would heal them. And you know what he would tell them? Don't tell anyone. Yet, what did all of them do? They, go, they went and told everyone. You know why they gave? Because they had experienced that Jesus is Lord and they couldn't contain it. When you understand, hear me when I say this. When the Spirit has become in you and you understand that Jesus is Lord, you will give. Giving is not an optional thing. He literally told them not to say it, yet they went and said it. I'll give you an example of this. Let me give you an example of this to make it a little bit more real, okay? This is just a personal example. You know, when I got my first job, I remember I got my first paycheck and I was like, man, you know, it's like nothing. But you're like, back then, it was like, man, it's a lot of money. And I remember my parents said, okay, give. Give your money to the Lord. So that was the first thing we always did. That was just something my parents taught me. Give to the Lord. Then, then the next big check came, and I was like, okay, what do I get to do with my money? 
And now, you know, you're excited. It's like, I was like, I don't know, $200 or something like that. And I was really excited. I remember the first thing I wanted to do was get my parents something. Y'all remember this? I remember I got, I got them, uh, I got my dad, a, like, electric razor blades, which he barely used. He liked his razor. <laughs> and then I got my mom a foot massaging thing. And, I, like, they didn't ask me for it, but why did I give it to them? Everything inside of me was like, they've given me everything. I can give them something. The second a grateful child recognizes, man, God has given me everything. He's already given you everything. All he's asking is that you share that. You know, even last night I was preparing, saying this. this I was like, I've tried, I'm going to try to prepare it more. And as I was preparing, I just started crying. Because I think I sometimes feel the heart of God. And I think God is like, I've blessed them with so much. Yet they just want more and more. And he's saying, can you just give? I give. You know, there's a text that when the disciples sent them, he said, freely I've given you. Freely give. If he's given you nothing, if Jesus is not the Lord of your life, don't worry about giving anything. But man, if he's given something to you, our responsibility is to give. So let me just encourage you today. Where do we begin the process? How do we find the specific purpose in our life? I started by saying the Spirit is the giver. So listen to the Spirit. But how do you know that the Spirit is working inside of you? You will proclaim that Jesus is Lord. You will. And very quickly, I'm going to end by just doing... Let me give you what is salvation, right? What is salvation and who is Jesus? Maybe you've heard this 10 years ago. I think this is something that we need to articulate often and come back to. First of all, let me also ask you, are you able to share that? Are you able to share with someone what it means to be saved? That's our responsibility. So let's talk about it. What is salvation? God created this beautiful world, right? In Genesis, we read, He created this world where He separated light and darkness. And then He separated the water from the seas. I'm sorry, the land from the seas. And then He started putting vegetation in place. And He made all of the stars in the sky. And He put animals on the land and fish in the sea. You look at these beautiful fish. And everything was so good. What a beautiful creation. And at the end of that, what does he do? He makes us. He makes humans. And the question becomes, why did he make us? If in your lifetime, this goes to J. Lu's question, what are you doing with your life? He made us for a reason. And for some people, they say, whatever. I get to pick what I do with my life. Fine, live like that. What I want to encourage you, maybe there was a reason you were made. Think about that. Maybe there's a reason. And so I look in the text and what does it say? Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. I'm going to go to the next part. God blessed them and said to them, 
be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. So we see the purpose of God. Why did he make man? One is to be fruitful and multiply. What is the other one? To rule the earth. So if we look at the text, let's come back together. If we look at the text, why did he make mankind? He made them to rule, to create, and to be in the image of God. And if I can sum summarize that, here's what I'd say. God created us to be as God is. He created us to be many gods here. That was his point. He wanted us. He had a plan for us. But always, the enemy has always hated when God has a plan for us. Because we were going to be like God and he was going to be below. So what did the enemy do? He came and he said, did God really say you shouldn't eat from the tree in the garden? And in verse 4 is where we're going to jump. And he said, you won't certainly die, the serpent said, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. What does it say? Your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. So what did I say? God had a plan and what was his plan? He wanted you to be like God. He had a way of doing it. And then what did the enemy say? You can be like God if you do it my way. And this is the question of life. This is the question of your life, I believe, from Scripture. Do you want to follow God in the way that He has for something good, or do you want to do it your way? If you're okay doing it your way, fine. There are repercussions, but fine. But man, this is the question. Throughout all of the Bible, what it is is people have constantly gone away from God's way to their way. And all he's saying is, come towards me. I have something good for you. He loves you so much. And as you realize, as time has gone on, the system of this world is to follow the way of the world, to go away from God. So to follow God's way is not easy. To follow what God has is like going against the world. And as you realize that, we realize Jesus means that much more. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. When you don't know how to walk in this world, when everyone's walking towards the way of the world, you just look at Jesus and he is, he shows us what it's like to follow the way of God. He wasn't the highest in this world. Not everyone liked him, but guess what? He lived in the will of God. Man. He lived in the will of God. And you know, you know you know you're really in the will of God when the world hates you. The world is going one way, and when you're going to the will of God, they will not like you. And I look at Jesus and I say, you're our everything. You are the author and the finisher. You're the one who began it and ended it. I am able to have a relationship with God because of Jesus and what he did on the cross. Each one of us have to come to that realization. If, if God's way means nothing to you, what Jesus means or what Jesus did means nothing to you. But the second you say, God, I need you, then what Jesus did means everything. So I offer that to you today. If you haven't understood that in your life, I offer it to you today. He's freely offering it. 
Come to me, those who are weary and heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. That's what he's offering. And even if you've accepted him once, I want you every day to come back to this, God, I need you. And the only way I can come to you is through Jesus. Each morning that you wake up, recommit your life to Jesus. That's what salvation is to me. It is my way of having a life and a life that matters. And my prayer is that it would be personal for each one of you. That each one of you would understand who he is. And if we can do this together, man, what a world. I think we can create something beautiful for the glory of God. But you have to come to that conclusion yourself, individually. I'm going to end with a story, okay? Um, there was a man named Anton LaVey. Do you all know who Anton LaVey is? He was uh, the founder of the church of, or he was a founder of the church of Satan. He was a Satanist founder. And he, I was actually reading about his life this week. And, you know, he, I was, you know, I get a lot of, you know, when I'm reading it, it's like you get a lot of his followers who are saying, you know, he wasn't saying support Satan. What he was saying is live your life. Do whatever makes you feel right. Live your truth. That was basically the essence of what he was saying. And in many ways, I, I call that following Satan, but whatever. The, the craziest part of the story, though, and they, they can't verify if this story is true, so I'll throw that out there. But I believe this is real. They said on his deathbed, he was 67 years old, and on his deathbed, as he's dying, right, he, he's, he just proclaims, as he's drawing his last breath, he says with his words, Oh no, oh no, what have I done? And there was a fear over him. And I believe this to be true. There is one day where your eyes will close and all of this will be done. And I want to ask you, when your eyes close, none of this will have mattered. How much money you made, which trips you went on, whatever the things that you're going after, none of it will matter. I want to encourage you, what matters is where do you stand with God? Did you live with Him or did you do what you wanted? I really want to encourage you. And you know, as I was reading about this, the opposite has happened as well. As people who have walked with God, as they're drawing their last breath, you see them looking up and you see the angels coming. And there are so many stories of people who are, they'll raise their hand up and as they're almost smiling, looking like they're going to be with their creator. <laughs> Isn't that amazing to think that in your last breath, he is escorting you up to heaven? What a beautiful thought. So let me encourage you today. Let's look at this man's life for a moment. You may do everything in this world. And in your last breath, if you look and say, oh no, oh no, what have I done? What a waste of a life. But if you look and say, oh my goodness, I get to be with the one that I was living for. Close your eyes and you have to imagine yourself on that deathbed. And man, you live different today. You live with conviction today. Let me just encourage you. I'm done for today. I just want to end by saying that, man, meet Jesus. Meet him and know and I'm telling you this, as you know, we'll be on fire. 
I'm not okay with an okay Christianity. I want all of us on fire for him, recognizing his life is the best life and his way is the best way. So let me encourage you. You know, how do you find your purpose in life? You find your purpose by staying near the Spirit. How do you know the Spirit is in you? The more you're aware that Jesus is Lord, the more the Spirit is at work in you. You know, I want to encourage you, if you have drifted from Him, man, I want to encourage you, recommit your life to Jesus to say, this life has very little meaning apart from God. God, I want you. God, and when I want you, Jesus is everything. He is the beginning and the end. His work on the cross connects me to God. And so if you've drifted, I just want to encourage you this morning, resubmit your life to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to live in the truth of who you are. And if you never have in this room submitted your life to Jesus, I want to encourage you today, submit your life to him. Let the Spirit, if it's speaking to you, convict you and recognize you've been living your own way and it doesn't work. It's not enough. We need more. So wherever you are today, my encouragement to you is this. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus and accept him into your heart.